This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn to uh, Psalms chapter 1. We're going to start there in Psalms chapter 1. But as you are turning there, I want to admonish you this morning. Uh, a lot of what I will be doing this morning is admonishing you. We are um, the, at the last of our series, the last of our series of uh, premarital counseling. And it's been you know, several weeks, uh, a few months perhaps, uh, that we've been on this topic. And our teaching over the course of the last few months of family life, it has been centered around God's standards. And I want to admonish you admonish you um, to listen. You need to go back and you need to listen. Listen to all of the messages that have been, that have pertained to this subject. Again, I don't care if you're middle school, I don't care if you're high school, I don't care if you're college, beyond college, whatever the case is, you need to go back. If you are, are, are not married, you are unmarried, you need to go back and you need to listen. Because I know from by, by no stretch of no stretch of the imagination do we think that you have gotten all of this in this time. But if you are serious about doing things God's way, we said that this was these are God's standards. These are not our standards, not man's standards. These are God's standards. And if you are a believer and if you are saying that you love the Lord and if you are saying out of your own mouth that you serve the living God. And, say, and I thought I was thinking about that this morning that we all say, "Ooh, the God that I serve, the God, do you really serve him? That's the question. Will God, would God confirm? That you serve him. So a lot of times we say things out of our mouths, but we are, and the scripture tells us, we say things out of our mouths, but our hearts are far from it. But if you are saying that you are a child of God, if you're saying that you are a believer, and you're unmarried, you're saying that you're a believer, you're saying that God, that you have made God your Savior and your Lord, you are a believer, then these are the things. This is his standard that he has provided. He has put it together. He has laid it out. And there's nothing that we can do to change, to modify, to alter anything that he has said. So I am, again, admonishing you to take these messages. Don't take them lightly, but take them in the spirit in which it was given, by the spirit in which it was given, from the Lord God Almighty, and don't consider the packages, don't consider, because I don't know anybody up here, you may not like, you may disagree with, you may, whatever the case is, outside of this, but when it comes to the word of God, don't take it as if it's from someone who's standing up here. You need to take it as it is, that it is from the Lord, and it is spirit, it is spirit breathed, spirit breathed on you and on your ears, so don't take that lightly. So we've been learning that God's standard is the banner. God's standard is the banner. It is the flag. It is hoisted high for all to see. It is hoisted high for all to see. High on a rope or high on a pole. The word, the, the standard of God for all to see. It is the mark. God's standard is the mark. It is what's used. Listen to this very carefully. I love this. God's standard is what's used to determine the quality or level at which something is attained. 
I love that. It is what is used to determine the quality or the level at which something is attained. That tells me that you can attain something. You can attain marriage, but at what quality, at what level? Will you attain it? You whatever and what and that again. It's across the board. We're talking about marriage, but that's across the board. God's standard determines the quality or the level at which something is attained. It is God's expectation. His standard is his expectation from every believer. No one is exempt. Not a minister. Not an usher. Not a a, a greeter. Not Anybody, not a pastor, no one, no one is exempt from God's standard. It is what it is, and He has an expectation from all believers that they will live up to, that they will strive towards His standard, and they will not live outside of that. His standard does not change. It does not change. It doesn't change for anyone. It doesn't change for anything. It doesn't change in any situation. It doesn't change under any circumstance. God's standard is his standard. I don't care if you think that your situation is different. What did I just say? God's standard does not change for anyone, for anything, in any situation, or under any circumstance. God's standard is his standard. And all of these teachings have been relevant whether you are, are, are dating someone uh, in a, in a I want to say, I'll say it just to say a romantic uh, dating situation because we found out what dating is, right? But if it's an, a romantic situation or not, if you, if you are intending to get married or planning to get married or have thought about getting married or not, all of these things are relevant because you never know in any situation, at any day, you never know when things can turn around or, or change for you. Uh, you have a different thought pattern when it comes to marriage or whatever the case is. But don't just disregard this message because you're not in that place yet. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about that. Being in that place and trying to hear is very difficult to do. So you need to get this while you can. Uh, so at some point, and most likely you will find that, in in, uh, in in some season, in some time, you will find a change. There will be a change. And so, so why do we need to get these messages now? Why, why am I admonishing you now to do this? Because it's too late. Listen, it's too late to hear the word when you're in a situation. It's too late. And again, this is across the board. We're talking about premarital class, but this is across the board. When you're in the situation, it is more difficult to hear the word in your situation. Why? Because it becomes difficult, if not impossible, to hear properly and to receive, period. Why? Because you have invested time. We're talking about marriage now. So when you have invested time into someone, You've invested time with them. You've invested time with their family. And we know how families can be. You know, mom goes, oh, they love. I love, oh, that boy, I love, I just love him. I just love, oh, the her. And then they start calling, you know, folks that don't know no better. They automatically start calling, oh, that's my son-in-law. Oh, that's my, you know, I'm claiming it. I'm, you know, all of that foolishness. And they, they do that. But you spent time with them. You spent time 
with their family. You've spent time with their friends. Uh, uh, and no one wants to feel like they've wasted their time, right? Nobody wants to feel like that. I've invested, you know, a, a year in, with them uh, or whatever the case, two years with them, six months with them, whatever the case is. You've invested time so you won't hear properly. You've invested emotion. You have shared and you've been intimate. And I'm not talking about necessarily physical intimacy at this point. I'm just talking about intimacy period where you've shared things with them that you probably have had not shared with other people. So you've invested emotion in them. You might have been intimately, physically intimate with them. And that's another issue. We're going to be talking about that in a little bit too. But you've invested maybe your physical intimacy. And again, that's a whole nother situation. That's a whole nother emotional stage and an emotional level that you should not have opened up. But you probably have or you might have. Um, And again, we talked about intimacy. And intimacy doesn't necessarily have to include intercourse. But intimacy just in, again, the sharing. uh, The sharing with one another. You've invested money, perhaps. So you bought gifts. You know how we do. You know, we bought a, a... well, maybe, hopefully not a ring at this point, but maybe you have gotten to that stage where you bought a ring, or even just just little things. I bought her some, you know, some jewelry. I bought her some nice stuff. I, you know, I ain't bought nothing, nothing cheap. I didn't bought her some some little nice pieces. I'm not talking about, you know, little costume jewelry. You know, but buying gifts for one another. Uh, you've made purchases together. Ooh, and I, this is this is you made purchases together. Right, and, I, and I'm talking about small things. I'm talking about like animals. I've heard people, you know, they bought an animal together. So they share. They'll spend some days at your house. They'll spend some days in my house, some weeks in my house or whatever. But you, you've even invested in that manner. Just in small things where you've made some, some purchases together. Uh, coordinated outfits, you know, all this, this kind of stuff. It's just things that you normally do or things that, you know, things that happen uh, uh, when you, you know, again, buying, trying to, buy things together and, and things of, of that nature. And then you may have gotten to the engagement stage. Now we're talking about real money now where you've what, to put down deposits for things. You have uh, uh, put down deposits for venues. You've put down uh, deposits for dresses. You've gone and tried on dresses. You know, all of, all of these kind of things. Whatever, at whatever stage that you find yourself in in this situation or at this time, that's what I'm saying. It's, it, it become, at this point, it becomes difficult to hear what's going on because you've invested time. You may have invested money. You've invested emotion. And so now you can't hear. You won't be able to hear properly, pro- properly because of all of those things. It becomes different. Your judgment is clouded. Your judgment is clouded because now you're thinking about all of these things and all of this time, all these things that you have done. So now your judgment has, is, is going to be impacted. You will judge and you will reason things to be so that are not so. You are reason things to be so that are not so. And if they're not so, then you think that you will be able to do what it, what's necessary to change it. And you cannot do that. You can't, you can't, first, first of all, you can't change people. You can't change people. As much as we like to think that we're that good, that my love is, is that deep, where he, you know, we, I, can, I can get him to change, I can get her to change, that is not the case. If they're not changing for God, they're definitely not changing for you. And they might pretend, they may go get, they may go along to get along, and they may they may do that for a short term, but they will not be able to keep that up. 
And so we're seeing it, and I want you to, that's why, that's, well, again, that's why I'm saying I'm admonishing you to, to, to listen. And God is admonishing you to listen to what is being said. If you are not in that situation, if you don't have anybody, you know, anybody that you're trying to date romantically or, or any of that, you're not in an engagement stage, you're not any of that, you are in a good place. And do not, do, do not, uh, take that lightly. You are in a good place. And God, listen, what you invest, where, what you invest in is where your heart is. What you invest in is where your heart is. And your heart, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. What you invest in is where your heart is. And where your heart is, is where your treasure is. So it becomes difficult again, if not impossible, to properly hear when you have invested invested in your heart. You have invested in treasure. You have made things your treasure. You have made things in your heart. You have built those things up. And it becomes difficult to incline your ear. You may hear. Listen, you might hear the word go forth, just like you're hearing me audibly right now. But inclining your ear is very different. When you incline your ear, when you incline, that means you're taking heed to it. It's one thing to hear it, but when you're inclining your ear, you're taking heed to it. Because... You are not ignoring the word. See, when, when you're in a situation, you tend to ignore the word when it goes forth. Or you tend to reject the word when it goes forth. Again, I, I can change it. I, this is something, no, this is different. We can change this or whatever. You think that you can revamp the word. You think you can reason with the word. You can reason it out. But none of those things you can do. So if you're not in that place you, where you're involved with someone or you're not engaged, uh, you, again, you are in the best place because you have not, you are in a position to hear better because you have not invested all of that. If you have, are presently engaged in a more romantic type of relationship, God has your best interest in mind. If you are in that situation, he has your best interest in mind. In mind. If you're not in that situation, he has your best interest in mind or at heart. But we have to trust in that, that he has our best interest in, at heart. We have to trust that because he is faithful. Not Again, not because of what people, not because of what you see here. But because God is faithful, so the standard and the word that, that we bring forth, it is all because you have to trust that because he is faithful, because God is faithful. Not any man, but because God is faithful. So he, in, God, in God's infinite wisdom, and he's just, he dropped this in my spirit and I just, I just love this, that in his infinite wisdom, in God's infinite, we have finite wisdom. And it's small, it's limited, but in God's infinite wisdom and his efficacious grace, grace is made available now. Grace is made available, available now. So in God's infinite wisdom and his efficacious grace, he has designated this dispensation of time, this dispensation of time for you to hear, for you to receive, 
for you to embrace, and we're going to talk about embracing, for you to obey and for you to comply with truth. I'm going to say that one more time. God said that in his infinite wisdom and in his efficacious grace, he has designated this dispensation of time for you to hear, to receive, to embrace, to obey, and to comply with truth. God promises, and this is why, this is why he said it, because he said that if you do, you will eat the good of the land. If you do, you will eat the good of the land. In other words, if you do, if you obey, if you receive, you embrace, you obey, you comply with the truth, you will consume the beauty, the joy, the goodness, that which is best within the land or the territory of the marriage covenant. God made that promise. That's the promise that he has made. That if you would hear, receive, embrace, obey, and comply, he is promising to you. He promises that you will eat the good of the land. Now, does that mean that you're not going to have some challenges in your marriage? No. That doesn't mean that at all because it's going to come with some challenges. Marriage just does come with challenges. But he's promising you that you're going to eat the good of the land. You're going to consume the beauty of it. You're going to consume the joy of it, the goodness of it, and that which is best. That which is best in the marriage covenant once you get there. Psalms chapter 1. Let's start reading at verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Think about this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What is the counsel of the of the ungodly? We're talking about those worldly those worldly relationships and sit in the, the seat of the scorn. These are people that you you hang with. Remember remember what Minister Hill uh, talked about. Think about uh, about Jonadab and Absalom in in Second Samuel chapter two. When I read the, when re- reading this scripture, it just brought that to me. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Jonadab was the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Amen. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This is what God is saying. If you would take the counsel, he said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So if you're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, then you must be walking in the counsel of the godly. 
And so he's saying that if you would do that, if you would do that and you would delight yourself in the law, delight yourself in this word, delight yourself, and you meditate on it. That's why I said you need to go back and you need to read, and you need to listen. Listen to the broadcast. Because he says if you delight in it, if you meditate, meditating is, 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 is taking what you've already heard and just thinking on it. It's soaking yourself in it. It's drowning yourself in it, if you will. It's eating of it. It's, it's living it. He says that if you would do that, you will eat the good of the land. And then he says in, 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 uh, in verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And that's exactly what God was just telling us. That if you would do exactly what it is that he's telling you to do. And don't ignore. And don't reject. And don't try to modify. And don't try to revamp anything. Or don't try to reason out anything that he's telling you to do. That you will be like a tree that is planted. And you will bring forth fruit in your season. And, that's, and we're going to talk about that too. All that's going to be wrapped up in your season. In the season that God has prepared for you. Not a season that you thought up. Not a, fe- a season that you made up. Not a season that you made yourself. But he says in the season that he has prepared for you. And you see that's the thing. That we don't think that God has prepared a season for us to be married. We don't think that. And, but, but you know what? God does not... And, and God... Eunuchs. So, 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 I know, I, you know, I hear people say, you know, what, you, you might be a eunuch. You might be a, you know, only God, that's a gift. First of all, let me tell you that that's a special gift. And that's a gift that God has given. And God is going to communicate that with you. And I believe, I know for a fact, in, in, in truth, just because of, of, of who God is, He's not keeping anything from you that's godly, that's in His, in His, in His, uh, His plan. And we know that marriage is in his plan. So he's not keeping anything godly from you that's in his plan if, if you want that. He's not keeping that. So it's not that, that people cannot make you a eunuch. You can't even make yourself a eunuch. You can't, you can't make yourself a eunuch. And, and, and you, oh, that's again, that is a gift from God that he will communicate with you. And if you, he communicates that with you and he has made you, that he has given you that gift, you won't have a problem with it. And that's why I said you can't be made a eunuch and you can't make yourself a eunuch. Because I think about, you know, I think about the priest and, 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 and you know, all these, the, the folks that, uh, some of the folks that, that, that have that said that they have dedicated their lives, the nuns have dedicated their lives to living for God. And, they, and again, if that is something that God has communicated, they have been gifted with that and God has communicated that with them, they won't struggle in that area. There's no struggle in that area because if God's gifted you with that, then the grace for it is, comes along with that. The grace comes along with that. So it's not, it's not a matter of, of someone making you a eunuch or you making yourself a eunuch. It's a matter of the gift of God. And so, so we don't all have that gift. That is not a gift that we all have. Again, why? Because God, God created us in a certain manner. And so again, that is a gift. That is something that's, that's supernatural. That's something that's, that's outside of what, what God's ordinary uh, uh, flow is, if you will, for, for just normal every day. So, so we got to, to consider those things. And, and here it's saying again that the work that you put your hands to, the work, even before you see the fruit, 
even before here it says that you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall also shall not wither. So this, what this means, because you know you get leaves before you get fruit. He says here that your leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Whatever he doeth shall prosper. So, so even it's saying that even before the fruit comes. Your leaf shall not wither. Even before the fruit comes, even if even before it shows up in that, he says that you will not, you will not, uh, 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 you will be successful. You will be profitable in your desire to even get to that point. That means that that in that time you won't do foolishly. In that time you will not fall. Even before the fruit comes, you won't do foolishly and you will not fall. That's him saying that your leaf will not wither. And so, so God is telling us that, that even before the fruit comes, even before there's evidence of the fruit, in that process of growing and maturing, you will not fall and you will not do foolishly. The work that you're putting your hands to, to execute and to produce and to prepare and to attend to his word, to put things in order, all of the work that you're doing to put things in order will be profitable for you. That is a good, that's, that's good news. That's what he said. That's what this scripture is saying. Everything that you put your hands to, whatever you doeth, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The work that you're doing to prepare, to execute his word, to prepare your life for marriage. The things that you're doing, the unseen works that you're doing, all of the things to prepare, to attend to the word, to put things in order, to put your life in order. It all will be profitable for you if you would just tend to his word. And that's again, again, that's why, that's why I am admonishing you. I'm admonishing you because God is saying, you know, we, uh, we, we hear, we've been hearing, you have to give up the lesser for the greater. We have to give up the lesser relationships. And I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about people. I'm not saying that people are lesser than you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the lesser relationships. Anything, any fruit that you think that you're getting from a relationship, if it's not a godly one, if it's not a kingdom, and we've heard about that, if it's not a kingdom relationship, it's a, you know, it's a worldly one, anything that you think you might be getting from those things. He says, God says that that is the lesser of what I'm trying to give you. He's saying that is the lesser of what I am trying to give you. Even if you have found yourself, or even if you are in a place where, where again, where you are involved with someone romantically, or you think that you might be moving, listen to the word. Take heed to the word. Am I saying that that's not the person for you? I'm not saying that. But I'm not saying that it is. I'm not saying that it's not. But I'm not saying that it is. And this, again, this is God. Only you and God. And, and deep down, you know, you know, you might have been ignoring it, but God has been saying it. God's been telling you throughout, even throughout these teachings, God has been ministering to you. He's been trying to show you little areas. He's been trying to, to show you little things in that person. He's trying to show you you. He's trying to show you them. He is trying his best. He's trying his best. But again, that's why I said, at, that, at this point, it can be more difficult because you've invested time. You might have invested money. You, and you have invested emotion. But God says that if you would take heed to his word, do it and do it now. Why? Because he said, again, 
in this time, his wisdom, in his wisdom, and in his efficacious grace, he has designated this time, this dispensation, for you to hear, to receive, to embrace, to obey, and to comply. And he says, and he promises that if you will, if you would do that, you will eat the good of the land when it comes to your marriage in the time in the time that he has designated for you to have that in the time that he has designated for you to have that listen to this we need to always remember always remember that the dispensation in our lives each dispensation in our lives is connected they are connected. The dispensations are connected. And we must work out what God desires in one dispensation. I think our pastor has said this as well. We must work out God, what God desires in one dispensation in order to properly be prepared and successful in the next. We need to always remember that the dispensations in our lives are connected. They are all connected. And we must work out, you must work out what God desires in one dispensation so that you can be properly prepared and successful in the next. And then God dropped this, and this is just a side note. This is not even about that. But for you church of the living water people, God put this on my heart pertaining to that statement that I just made. That God says that this is why some of you are having trouble and you're finding it difficult to flow with your current pastor. This is why you're finding it difficult. This is why you're having trouble flowing with your current pastor because of what you failed to work out under your founding pastor. You're having trouble. You're finding it difficult. You're finding it difficult to flow under your current pastor because of what you failed to work out under your founding pastor. Because you did not work out. Because you did not work out the things that God was trying to work out in you under your founding pastor now you're not ready you weren't ready for this dispensation that's why you haven't been you, you weren't properly prepared for this dispensation because of what you didn't work out in the last and I'm going to move on from that but you take heed to that and you can make the corrections you can, you can, you can do what you need to do it, again it might be a little bit more difficult now because now you're trying to play catch up because it's, it's been what, two years it's been two years now and you're trying to play catch up, but it's not that you can. So the objectives of this teaching. Number one, we're going to revisit the components of restoration. Why? Because nothing else that I say and everything that you've heard, right? So you've heard a lot of things. And if you found yourself over the last course of these teachings, if you found yourself out of God's standard in any of those things, in, in having ungodly relationships, in having relationships that are not kingdom-related relationships, being in illicit sex. If you, find any, if you have found yourself in any of those things, in any of those things, in any of them, 
that's, that's including the ungodly uh, friendships, the, the, uh, the unkingdom-like friendships. That is against the standard of God for, you, for your life. So if you found yourself in, in, in any of those things, you need to be restored. So we are going to, we are going to revisit those things. Restoration is important if you're going to move on and if you're going to apply this word as God has, got, as God has said, if you're going to apply it, that is going to be key. And the second objective is to understand and embrace, understand and embrace the truth about the consequences of being out of season. That is going to be crucial. Understanding and embracing the truth about being out, uh, the consequences of being out of season. And then our third objective is to examine individual and spiritual requirements that must be in place before marriage. We're going to examine individual, spiritual, and natural requirements that must be in place before marriage. So we're going to cover this in this teaching and then we're going to bring, try to tie all of this together for you in a nice bow. So we've been taught about deception. Right, uh, our pastor talked about that last week. Deception is demonic in origin, and it is the enemy's trap to move you away from the truth and move you out of position with God. Self-deception. She said that self-deception is the worst. Worst, and I totally agree that self-deception is the worst because you have become your own worst enemy. You've become your own worst enemy. For some, the enemy, Satan, he has, he's using your pride and your stubbornness to change. Your pride and your stubbornness to change. He's using that against you to keep you in self-deception. He's using that to keep you in self-deception. Fighting against yourself. You don't consider the consequences of your disobedience. See, again, we're talking about admonishing you to change. Even after hearing all of these things, you should have been changing all along. But God is saying that at this moment, this is, just, this is, the, this is it. This is the last opportunity when it comes to this premarital stuff he's been talking to you about and dealing with you about. Not to say again, because he, he wants you to go back and he wants you to meditate on it, but he wants you to get it. Don't reject it. Don't leave it. You need to get it right now. You need to say right now, Lord, I am going to do. I'm, I might not be there right now, but I'm going to do what you said, I, uh, what you said I'm going to do. You need to, you need to, you need to say that now. You need to resolve that, that now, right now. Again, because self-deception is very hard. Fighting against yourself, you don't consider the consequences of your disobedience for not doing it. Or you desensitize the consequences for not doing it. You don't want to be in that position where you're desensitizing the consequences. Or you're, not, you're, you're just disregarding the consequences of disobeying God. Perhaps you are taking advantage of God's grace and His mercy. That when it's time, when I'm, re- when I'm ready to get it right. He'll be there to, to, to make it all right for me. Perhaps you, you're thinking on, along those lines. Perhaps you're thinking that, well, we're about to get married. And then, again, this is for those who, who are in, in illicit sex. Again, in the script, you had four weeks. God had been talking to you about four weeks. 
about it and, and so now he's, he's just trying to continue to get you out of it if, the, if, that, if this is your train of thought if this is what you're in he's saying you are deceiving yourself because getting married is not going to change what the issue is the underlying issue is of your illicit sex it's not going to change it and if you do not repent it's not going to cover it it's not going to cover it just by getting married it does not cover the sin so we got to keep that in mind. Again, this is, this is self-deception. Things that you're thinking will happen that will not. You're deceiving yourself. You're fighting against yourself. So he, he's saying, and, and we think because here, self-deception, when you believe that you're getting by, because some people, they believe that they're, just, they're getting by, and they believe that they're getting by because they still attend church. They believe that they're getting by because they still lift their hands during praise and worship. They believe that if you can, now if you enlisted sex, and you, I mean, I, and, I, and I have to, th- I have to think that I, I think about things that, that 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 I do, right? I mean, just you know, whatever, mouthing off at somebody when I shouldn't have, or saying something, you know, and I get in church and I lift my hands and, and uh, conviction automatically. No, you you gonna lift your hands and you've done it. But if, so if you can live in illicit sex and you can do that and still lift your hands. Okay, all power to you. But but because but but again, you are self-deceiving yourself if you think that just because I'm okay with lifting my hands and because I'm okay with coming to church and and all of that, that is not that doesn't that doesn't make you right with God because you you call in and you uh, participate on the corporate prayer on Saturdays because you still tithe because you still give in pastor's compensation because you do participate in all of those things. Those things do not make you right with God they don't make you right with God and and you think that you're getting by but in reality you are not none of those things make you right and you are not getting by just because you don't see there's nothing visible at the moment that you see it doesn't mean that it's not there just because because you don't see consequences they don't it does not mean that they're not there it just means it's going to show up at a later date that's all that it means but you, you, you will have a date. You will have a date with consequences. All of us will have a date with consequences. A date that we cannot break. Because they will, they will come. It is only the living God living in Him. Only living in Christ. Listen to this. Only living in Christ. Only living in Christ through His righteousness makes you right with God. And it's clear that if you are living outside of the Word of God, which is Jesus Christ, we said living in Him, right, makes you righteous because He is righteous. But if you are living outside of the Word of God, which is Jesus Christ, that means you're not living in Him because you're not living in the Word. You are living outside of righteousness and you are not right and you are not okay with God. Know that. Take that to heart. Again, don't look at the package. Take that to heart because that is straight from the Word of God. That is the standard. That is the standard. The banner that is lifted high for all to see. That is the standard right there. Only living in Christ through His righteousness makes you right with God. And it's clear that if you are living outside of His Word, which is Jesus Christ, you are living outside of righteousness and you are not right or are okay in God's sight. No matter what you do. 
no matter what you do in the church, no matter what, how, how much you invest your money in the church, no matter, no matter of, of any of that. And if this is you, and you are gone, you have gone against, you have compromised the standard of God, particularly in the area of biblical dating, forming godly and kingdom relationships, engaging in sex before marriage, whether it's been by self-deception or deceit through someone subtly or blatantly, whichever one, you need to repent and you need to be restored. This is not something that you should take lightly, and this is not a suggestion. It's not something that you should take lightly, and it's not a suggestion, because this is not from me. I can suggest things to you. I can suggest things, but this is not from me. This is from the living God. This is not a suggestion. He's already laid it out. He's already told you. He's already told you what will happen if you do it. And then we'll see the consequences of it if you don't. So, in reviewing the compliment, we're going we're to start with this. We, we're not going to be able to finish today, but we'll, we'll uh, pick up next week. But number one, our first, our first objective um, in this teaching, to review the components of restoration after compromising God's standards. A, take responsibility for your actions. That's going to be the first step. You need to take responsibility for your actions. Blaming others for your actions, is, that's an adolescent mentality. That's what children do. Adolescents, children, you know, you, have, you can't do it if you have only, there's only one of you. But if you've got two or more siblings, or two, or, you know, you've you got somebody, one or more siblings, you can blame somebody else. And we know that we all do that. I don't know who did it. Who did it? Oh, she did it. I didn't do it. He did. That's, that's an, adolescent, an adolescent mentality. So we can't have an adolescent mentality, which is inherited from Adam. We can't have that. Look at, look at Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at this adolescent mentality that we inherited from Adam. In Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at verse 12. Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. So we know, we know this, 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 uh, this lesson in, in this story. So here in verse 12... Here Adam is talking. He says, uh, and the man said, talking to God, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. So he, he doesn't blame two people right here. First he blamed God because this is the woman that you gave me. And then he blamed Eve. He says, and, and she gave it to me and I ate it. So he's blaming two people. Here, this is what we've been, this is, this is the, the adolescent mentality of blaming others that we have gathered, that we have gained from Adam. So you will not repent and you will never be able to change until you first acknowledge that you, that your actions to sin or not to sin, that's in your control. That's in your control. You will not repent and you will never be able to change until you first acknowledge that your actions to sin or not to sin, that is in your control. No matter what led to it, no matter if someone led you to it, it does not matter. We can see it right here. It does not matter. And then notice this in God's response in verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent. So we know that, that the serpent beguiled Eve. And then Eve 
uh, presented it to Adam and then he did eat. And But verse 14 it says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, He said something to the serpent, That you are cursed, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. And he goes on and he goes on and he says, I will put enmity between thee. So he, here, here are the consequences for Satan. We see that right here. And then in verse 16, he addresses the woman. He says, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Here it is. The consequences already built in. And then verse 17, he says, and unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. And has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee. Of which I commanded you. I gave you a commandment. But yet you're going to blame me. And you're going to blame Eve for something that you did. He says, I commanded you to do something. And you are now trying to blame somebody else for something that I told you to do. I told you. So here we see, we see two things. That you can't blame anybody else. And God is not going to allow you to blame anybody else. He's not going to allow that. He's going to address you and your actions. He's going to address you and your actions. And then we also see that there are consequences. Each one of them, the serpent had his consequences. Eve had her consequences. And Adam had his consequences. Everybody has consequences for their actions. Everyone does. And again, no one is exempt. And so we see here that no one is exempt. You have to deal. No one is exempt from dealing with the duty of dealing with themselves. No one is is exempt from the duty of dealing with themselves. No one is. Number two, you are accountable for you. And I'm out of time, so we're going to stop right there. But you are accountable. You can just take that. I just need you to meditate on that little piece right there. If you're finding yourself needing to be restored because, again, because of, of, of ungodly relationships and, and illicit sex and, and, and all of those, anything that goes, anything that goes against the standard of God, anything, remember that you cannot blame. That's the first part of restoration. Number one, you cannot blame anybody and you need to take actions for and take uh, responsibility for your own actions. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.